Hello everybody and welcome to the 55th episode of the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is your regular host Aaron Percival aka Corporal Hicks on the online world and joining me today are regular cohorts Ridge Doc. Hello again everyone. And Zeno Morphin. Hey guys. And our fourth member today is a special guest star from the community. If you're a, you know, a frequent visitor to YouTube and you like looking at alien and predator stuff, you'll have pretty much no doubt seen one of his videos. It's Mr. H. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. Thanks thanks for having me in the uh, the intro there. I'm not not quite sure everyone would have just come across my videos, but yeah, nice. Yeah, good. Oh, come on, you know people who are looking at alien and predator videos on youtube is it's you or hybrid network or alien theory yeah well yeah i guess so i guess so you have a following yeah <laughs> now i know we say alien versus predator in the title and i'm well aware that it's been very alien heavy lately i don't think you can fault us you know there's <laughs> alien covenant's been the uh, the big news this uh, this year and we've had plenty of interviews plenty of um um, news roundups and speculative stuff but this year also happened to be the anniversary of predator which i think was the th- is it the 30th anniversary this year i, I believe so. so yeah off the top of my head i think it is so we weren't we, we need to get a calculator out and work back from the release date. Seven. yeah um yeah so 30th and we couldn't let that go by and not do a uh, predator focused episode i know we're a little bit late it was back in june i think and hopefully this episode will be out by the end of August or start of September. Depends on how long it takes me to do it, you know, because I'm a lazy fucker and I can't always be asked to edit these really fast. <laughs> but yeah, it's here. We are doing it. And hopefully with, you know, Predator fans will start hearing more Predator content coming out next year when um, promotion for the Predators kicking in. And we'll have a, another three hour dissection of the Predator <laughs> trailer when that comes out, knowing us. <laughs> but yeah, so before... We do go any further. Before I ask Mr. H to give us a bit of background about himself and we start talking the film itself, just wanted to take a little bit of time just to acknowledge some pretty shitty news that uh, came out as of yesterday as of as of recording this podcast. And that was that Predator's uh, Sonny Landham had died. Aged 79, um, it was congenitive heart failure, I think it was. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it's what, he was what's not in the it. best of health. No, he's, he'd been wheelchair bound for um, a good few years now. Yeah, had both legs amputated. Yeah, yeah double, double amputee. I'm not sure how that related to his, or if it did relate to his death. I don't know if, if that goes part in parcel with the, the heart stuff. I don't know. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. pretty shitty. Tragic. Hmm. Unfortunately, it's it's getting to be that time where a lot of you know actors yeah. we looked up to in the '80s who were big stars are are getting a bit older, and we saw that with with Bill Paxton too. And um, John Hurt. you know, mm. unfortunately, we we do uh, lose them sometimes uh, earlier than we would like. But you know, just to acknowledge that 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 happened, but this won't be a downer. This podcast isn't going to be a downer, and of course, we'll we'll talk a little bit about Sonny later on when we're talking about the actors. You know, because there were some colourful um, stories about him, you know, and his bodyguard and stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, just just to acknowledge that at the start of this uh, podcast. But let's get on to cheery stuff then. So, Mr. Heach, as our guest, give us a little bit of a background on yourself. <laughs> Who are you and what the fuck do you do? Uh, well, cheery stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm Mr. H or Mr. H Reviews, which is the, you know, the, the channel that I kind of work from. 
um, putting out Alien, Alien and Predator content, basically, uh, and only recently expanding out into other things um, to kind of, you know, yeah, appease the um, subscribers that I got, but also explore more things that I'm interested in as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what, what do you want to know, I guess? I mean, I, I started on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I mean, like I say, what, 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 more, what, what more do you want to know from from an anonymous person? Well, it's just a case of, you know, is is a bit about myself, who I am. And whatever. If, if you're happy with that, I mean, sure, plenty, like I said, plenty of our guys will probably already know you and be familiar with you. I'm curious, what made you start this? What what made, What was the thing that made you go, I want to do YouTube stuff about this. What what was the spark? It, it ties in with Alien Covenant, basically. Like I, I've been a, a long time diehard Alien and Predator fan for as as long as I can remember, and I believe it was Christmas Eve um, or, or Christmas Day. Uh, so the, the Alien Covenant trailer dropped. Yeah, it, it just dropped, and I remember I was laying in bed and I was just looking at it, and I was like, like I've, I want to talk about this. Like I, I really like I've got to talk about this. This is insane. This is to me, anyway, it was marking like a turning point, like a resurgence within the franchise, which I, you know, love so much and I, I held so much stock in. Um, and I just decided just to make the channel, really. So a, a lot of people ask, like, where the name, you know, the name has come from and um, and how the channel started. That is basically it. The name I just thought of, like, on a whim. Um, there's not, not really anything behind it. Uh, and, and, and that was why the channel got started as well. So... Yeah, I mean, that was it, really. You know, the, the franchise, which I love, as well as Predator, was releasing something brand new, which I thought was going to be a turning point. Uh, not going to get into it. Um, and, yeah, just wanted to discuss it, really, with people. Uh, and it kind of spiralled a bit out of control from there. I wasn't expecting it to do what it did. Okay, well, cool. There we go. That's a bit of background on our guest, our anonymous guest, who keeps to the shadows, <laughs> but is immensely popular, however that works. <laughs> So yeah, something your listeners should know by now that I like to do on these kind of things is is have a little bit of a story about the first time we saw the um, the films. So you've probably heard us talk about Alien once for the first time several times, and you know we did a, we did the AVP one last um, last Christmas. We talked about it the first time we saw that as well. So Predator, Xenomorphim. When was the first time you came across Predator? Let me see. Aliens was 86, wasn't it? I think Predator was 87. Yeah. I must have been about nine years old, I guess. I think back then it was, what, a half a year or a year until it came out on video. So let's say I was about nine or ten years old, probably, because I do remember in the video stores, they did have a lot of, like, you know, the Predator posters and stuff, except... Unlike now, now you always virtually always see a predator's face or a helmet or whatever. They, this was at the start of the Predator franchise, so they were always playing on the mystery of it. They weren't showing you this was what the Predator was doing. So a lot of those posters were of like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger in thermal imaging or just Arnold Schwarzenegger. But I remember getting the poster out of the actual um, the video rental place down around the corner after i'd seen the film and that was of the the one you don't usually see but it was him in thermal with a sort of like a superimposed gun sight thing on him i remember that on the vhs covers yeah and that is not in the film ever anywhere (laughs) it's just something but it's a very cool poster it's a very cool um, piece of imagery um my actual first memories of seeing the film it was one of those things where my mum and dad had gone around to the you know the video rental 
shop round the corner. Not like blockbusters. We just had like, you know, someone just set up a, a thing. They just fill their shop up with videos you can rent out. And they decided they had chosen Predator. They hadn't seen it. And so we all, you know, sat down in the evening to watch. And I said, oh, what's the film you got? And they said, oh, yeah. It's the, and I looked at it. Oh, it's like implying it's it's got monsters in it or it was, a, you know, it was implying there was something to do with science fiction. And back then I was like, you know, a little kid in the 80s and, you know, Transformers and all the rest of it. And, you know, you're into that kind of stuff. Godzilla films. All the rest of it. I thought, oh, OK, I'll, this is interesting. I'll, yeah, I'll sit down and watch this with you. And so we all watched it, and I I have a mild suspicion, shall we say, that I don't think my parents realised it was going to be as bloody and gory as it actually was. So, um, uh, yeah, that was... Um, it, we were a bit unprepared for... Because, you know, a little kid, it wasn't the time like it is now where it's just, you know, you watch things on YouTube or whatever. You'd, parents had a bit more of... If they were aware something was going to be ultra-violent, the responsible ones, you know, they, they would like not want you to sit down and watch it before you were 10 years old, you know? Um, however, in this instance, you know, I watched it with my parents. And, um, yeah, the good film, you always know a good film from the way that especially if you sit and watch it with anyone with your parents um, friends whoever at the end of it it makes you immediately talk about it and ask questions it's not like something you just watch and you're like oh let's watch another thing you'll start like talking about it and stuff that happened with this one I remember very much having memories after the film and we all talked about like what this creature have been doing because although in the film you have this thing where you know Arnold's character says oh you know there's no sport in it if you don't use guns now that there wasn't the mythology that had been built up around it that you have now and I remember my mother saying you know maybe it was you know it's quite serious maybe it was it could have just as easily been like what if it was an alien version of like a biology student coming to earth and it was taking samples of you know human skulls and things but it was actually going to go back it planned to go back to its own planet and it was you know a biology student and we were having all these like you know wild outlandish ideas but it was because it was a film which although it was at its core, very basic. Indeed, the whole thing re revolves around theories of, you know, the primal nature of us. It was one of those things where it kicked off a million ideas in your head and you talk to someone else and they had, like, all these ideas about it and stuff. But I remember watching it and, like, one of my most vivid memories of first ever watching it was, you know, I think it was Billy's skull when it gets ripped out. And that was really fucking brutal for the time. You watch it now and it still is quite brutal the way it's done. But, you know, you see the later on the Predator and he's literally steam cleaning the thing. You just didn't get that in the most of the, the horror films and that that were around then. I mean, you kind of did, but they were typically much cruder. It was more superficial. Predator had this, you know, this sense of realism. I mean, I've since come to learn that when they did that, shoot out with the gorilla force right at the start it was meant to be they were intending it to be like almost a parody of action yeah. films as they were then but it's it's still done in a serious tone 
I mean, it's done like, you know, an A-team episode where they're going after communists and bang, 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 you know, stick around and all that. But it's it's done professionally. The funny thing about that that bit is that the the second, yeah. I think it was the second AD, did actually work on A-team. And it was um, it was his <laughs> unit that, that filmed that entire sequence. Yeah, I, I can believe it. I mean, you watch it now and it does have that, that like... It, it, you think, where do I know this from? And then you think back, oh, it's the fucking A-Team. But <laughs> just the way, like, even from the start, when Dutch and his team getting out of the helicopter, even right from there, you get the sense that, you know, there are two kind of, like, when you have films like these where, you know, have a special elite team, you have it either like they did in the big screen adaptation of Doom, where they are as superficial as fuck. They are just, like cartoon characters or you have it like in, this is where predator and aliens have it in common you get this sense of professionals and even though when they're kind of like pissing about with one another they they feel like you know even at that age i thought this isn't like a world war ii film this they feel like real people and when as it gets more and more into the film you get these like the stuff with the skin bodies but even that, it's not just like a, a flash, and you, it's just like a not a jump scare on its own. You get Billy's reaction and that, and um, I think it, I think it's who's the guy who goes after the girl when she runs away. Uh, I think it's Hawkins, yeah, is it? Goes after him. Yeah, and you have like that scene. That's a case in point where you have him. He's taken. And then it's not just like what you had in those days, the, the mid-80s. It was typically, you know, rah, it's the monster, or this is a dead body. It was like the Dutch, Arnold's character, Dutch, he tells, you know, have you found him? And the guy just wanders back, and he's just like, I can't tell. And it just gives you this chill up the spot. That was not, whether it's an action film or a horror film, you just it was... You know, several levels above what you were prepared for. And especially me being that age, I was like, yeah, okay. I'm not like totally into like all the adults talking, but I'm more interested in this than just it being a monster or whatever. And by the time it got, you know, the monster with its invisibility camouflage, and because I was right into like natural history, so I was quite into the oh wow, it's like a lizard type thing. But when you had that facial reveal of the predator, it was like nothing I had fucking ever seen in like cartoons, comics, anything. This was, and it looked real. And that you know, you learn nowadays it's because they put you know Vaseline or whatever on the thing to make it look more than a, a guy in a suit. But the whole thing, it felt. You were aware it's an action film, but it was it was so totally several leagues above and beyond what you were prepared for when it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger in a film about guns, bang, bang, bang. And you had that kind of thing happen with like the Terminator as well. It was a very similar vibe. And that also watched when I was younger than I should have done. But um yeah, I I remember my memories are of seeing this thing and just being compelled beyond what i was expecting for a film like this from what i was looking on the video cover and by the time i'd seen it i can't say i've had nightmares about it but it was one of those things where you just you know you you were just constantly thinking about the creature and all the rest of it and as it's one of those films where when you rewatch it in later years you come to appreciate more aspects of it but 
as I said, I do remember you ha- uh, having that conversation with my parents about, like, you know, where this thing had come from and, and all these different things, the, the things that fire off on your mind when it's a, it's a good story. And it's, like, not a complicated story. But you, even at that age, I knew it was a story done well. So, yeah, I have very, even at that age, I still have very fond memories of what that film did for me as a viewer. It's a very visceral watching experience and um recently i watched it on blu-ray and it is a nice remaster i know some people have problems with it but i even to this day i still it's one of those things which i can still get that same emotional high from watching more so these days because i understand it more but i still got that same feeling as when i i first ever watched it so it's um it has i have a very fond you know it's in my mental data bank of films it is one of those films that affected me on a, on a big level of this is what a film should be this is what a film can be even with really basic you know subject material because the, the story isn't there but this is what a film can be when it's done right and you want to re-watch it and re-watch it and re-watch it i have a very fun place for that film cool cool uh- Mr. H, what about yourself? Do you have any special story the first time you saw the film? Um, I mean, not so much the, the kind of very first time I saw the film. Um, I, I watched it when I was uh, very young, uh, when it was airing on TV. It must have been about five. I mean, at, at that point, wow. you know, that that to me was grabbed my attention instantly. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people ask me, you know, this is AVP podcast. A lot of people ask me, you know what my favorite is you know is is it alien or predator and i'll always be more biased to predator because i saw that film first Mm. um, and it introduced me to the world which then developed into you know notably two massive franchises and uh, just like xenomorphins just said is it's it it is what you would look at as you know even to this day it has massive rewatch value it has huge hugely quotable lines which you know yes they might come across somewhat kind of cheesy here and there but overall they actually land really really well um you know genuinely they do i i think anyway um and you know it's just an extremely well-constructed film from the cinematography to the locations which i'm sure we'll talk about later um right down to the music again we'll talk about it later but the music's fantastic Mm. um and and just on a whole it's one of those things that stuck with me so you know yeah i watched it massively massively young and, and then rewatching it, um, you know, later and kind of comprehending a little bit more, you know, you just go, this is what a good film is um, or, you know, could be, you know, even by modern day standards, you know, a lot of modern day films don't live up to, you know, what the Predator managed to manage to, to create genuinely, you know, from the fact that they don't they don't reveal too much. You know, like you like you said, on the posters, you couldn't see anything. You didn't know no. what was going on. You know, it's not like in, in this day and age where. You know, the, the trailers reveal, I don't know, what, the first, second and third act of every single film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you had, you, you had literally no idea what was going on. You didn't know what the creature was until you saw it. Um, and again, you know, I mean, that reveal coming out of the water. I mean, well, well, that reveal to me is obviously we've seen it before, but that water reveal to me was just something which would always stick out in my mind. The cloak. Uh, like disengaging and going all glitchy, uh, you know, the little shake of the head, you know, and then kind of rising up from the water. Awesome scene. Absolutely awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't say enough good things about the film. It, it's just one of those things to me, which is, 
you know, you, you can put it as, as high up on a shelf as possible. Like it's it's a solid, solid movie in, in, in my eyes anyway. I'm a little bit of a heathen compared to you guys because I came to Predator from Alien. So um, I saw Aliens when I was five. Cue five years of nightmares and morbid fascination about the the films and stuff. (laughs) And I think it was when I was 10 that I finally sort of... I didn't see Alien all the way through when I was five. I only got about halfway through it before I shit my pants and had to have it turned (laughs) off. Tried again when I was about seven or eight, and same situation again. Got to the same point, the hive scene, and bricked it. I couldn't deal with it. And then when I was ten, I was I was I was like being around my dad and watching films with my dad and stuff. And he was watching. He put Aliens on, and I walked in his room to see what he was doing. Saw he put Aliens on, turned around, walked straight back out because I knew I wouldn't be able to stomach it. And he goes, "No, you get back in here. You watch it. Watched it all the way through. And you know when I'd actually confronted it and everything and." Watched it all the way through and, you know, really got really interested in it. And it was less, it was still terrifying to me, but it was more of a fascination with it then. And that then led to me finding out about the games, because I think about that time would have been when Rebellion's Classic came out, about 99, 2000, when AVP Classic came out. And I played that, and of course there was the Predator campaign in it. So that was how I learned about Predator. And I think my dad had the VHS, the one that you were talking about with the cover with the uh, the crosshairs and the thermal image of yeah of Arnie. Um, that so uh, yeah. that was the first time I ever watched that, and I was I I had my perception of it coloured because obviously I'd played the the campaigns on the game, you know, a new shoulder cannon and the wrist blades and the cloaking and the vision modes and all that sort of stuff. So I didn't get to go into it, you know, blind or anything like that, but. It's one I've enjoyed, not just because of the connection to Alien. You know, um, I enjoyed it on its own merits. You know, pretty much everything you guys have said, you know, uh, the personalities of the actors involved. I think a lot of the film rides on those on those actors Mm. and their personalities just as much as what we learn of the characters, because there's not a great deal of sort of character background or. Would it be unfair to say there's not a great deal of character development in the film? I don't, I don't think there's any really story. Like, there, there's not a massive character arc for anyone, and there doesn't need to be. And I think that's why the Predator is so good. It doesn't have to have like a you know a from start to finish character. There arc. is for um, between Dylan and Dutch. I mean, you kind of get a, a more of a history between those two, but it, it is not much. I mean, it's like they they don't have like a character arc except for. Dylan, who he kind of comes to comes it around, as like a company it? man, so to speak. Yeah. And then by the end, it's like Hudson in Aliens. He kind of like redeems himself at the end. An interesting thing about that is that, you know, with with Predator, you start off with them being friendly towards each other. You know, you get the sense of the background and, and mm. the history. And then it takes a turn in that Dutch is being forced into do something he necessarily doesn't want to do. And then you find out that, obviously, uh, Dylan shafted him and then redeems himself. But in the very first script, Dylan is straight-up antagonist. You know, there's no history between the two of them. He's just a CIA oh, douchebag oh, okay. who's also, who's um, ordering <laughs> Dutch, who's not Dutch in the script, in the first script. I can't remember his name. Oh, Matheny. Uh, yeah, okay. Weird, oh, weird name. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that that was that was a really good change, I think, and um, having that dynamic between the two. Well, you wouldn't have that awesome. You wouldn't have that awesome scene. Yeah. The... 
no. pushing too many pencils. <laughs> with, with Dylan being the way, and again, you know, it's not much of a character in terms of substance, but it's more down to like Carl Weathers and Arnold and how they play it. But I think it, it, it definitely benefits by, yeah, as you say, if he had just been a straight up sneering, moustache-filling villain, he he is much better here because you do get the sense that he was like Dutch, mm. but it's like, you know, he, he went into the intelligence agency the more behind the desk. And so he, he came to have a different mentality, but he, he sort of like, they come from the same stock, but he's like, if Dutch's life had gone a different way, Dylan could have been maybe how he might've turned out to be, but because Dutch has been more on the front lines, he hasn't lost touch with, you know, the sacrifices aren't just statistics. You know, he's seen it, he's seen it up, up close and personal. And by the end of it, it's like he has, he serves to be a teachable moment personified for Dylan because Dylan is by that point remembering, yeah, actually this is how it's like for the people I'm ordering around sort of thing. So I, I definitely think, if, as you say, if that's um, what was the change, that was definitely a change for the better. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think it... It gave it a bit more depth than if you were to just have, you know, a stereotypical evil uh, CIA guy. You know, the difference between their characters was just that Dylan had the bigger picture in mind and Dutch was more yeah. concerned about his men. So they were differing uh, different philosophies just based on uh, where they had gone with with their lives. I think that I mean, that goes back to when we were doing our podcasts on I mean, just a little tangent here just to. Um, mirror it when we're doing about anderson's aliens versus predator film you we we kind of agreed that with lance henriksen's portrayal of wayland it felt more like a real character than the um, guy pierce one in prometheus because guy pierce's his one was more of a straight up more of a two-dimensional villain whereas the lance henriksen one you know he had motivations and stuff that made sense yes He's a millionaire, but or billionaire, whatever it was. But you got that sense of, you know, he's trying to achieve something. And I think you you have that same sense here with Dylan. He you you get he's not just an antagonist. He's he's just sort of like someone who's lost his way, but he regains it. I I think with those two things, they they're both are examples of characters who work better for being not more complicated but you know more like real human beings that we can yeah. relate to and he ends up trying to redeem himself as well so there is a little arc yeah. there, i would say yeah, yeah. Uh, rich top do you if you got any uh, story about the first time well i i must have been in my mid-teen years i mean i was aware of the predator films i had seen the figures i had read some of the comics i had played like the capcom arcade game Alien versus Predator. I had seen some of the props in uh, Planet Hollywood restaurants I had gone into when I was younger. So I was aware of this. You know, I was always drawn to sci-fi and, and horror ever since I was very young. But, you know, it was still an R-rated movie. But by the time my mid-teens had rolled around, my parents were uh, more lenient about that sort of thing. So I had just gone to the video rental store. And I had always, like, I had seen the VHS cover before. And I, I always loved the image on the back of this monstrous alien thing that I had never seen before just towering over Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I just took it home and, and watched it on my own. And, you know, I thought it was great. It was, it started off more of a kind of traditional 80s action film. But what was really interesting about that movie was it was its own identity like it was it was kind of a genre mixing film uh, you have these guys that are really you know powerful macho guys that just take out this 
enemy encampment, just wipe it clean. And then suddenly you shift gears and they're in a survival situation against something they know nothing about. So it has elements of action and horror and mystery uh, and sci-fi. So I think it really blended that together. And the, the pacing in the movie was a very slow build and it had a really good payoff at the end when you finally see the Predator jump in uh, to the water after Dutch and, and emerge and realize that he does have an Achilles heel with his his heat vision there. So I, I just thought the movie was so interesting. And and there's a lot of parallels for me with, with Alien and Predator, which is probably why I'm drawn to both. And I think that the, the suit was one of the most convincing um, creature suits along with Alien that I've ever seen. Like these these creatures have such staying power because they were different enough that it didn't matter that it was a man in a suit. It was just that interesting that, that you could buy that this was a humanoid type thing that was totally different. So I, I wasn't thinking this was a man in a suit as I was watching the film, even though obviously you know that, but uh, it, it really sells that. Um, so yeah, I, I went along and watched Predator 2 after that. That one was a, a little bit more adult, I would say, but I still really, really dug that one. And I've been watching them ever since. I think they're both great movies. No love for Predators? Oh, oh yeah. Well, pre- that came much later, but <laughs> 20 years later. But yeah, no, I love all yeah, three of them. Same. There's not a single one of the films that I dislike. I mean, there's, there's things in, in 2 and in Predators that I could I would change a little bit. But overall, I, I love all three films. Now, it's something that's been touched on, and I think it's a big part of what made the film work, but the bait-and-switch style of... Of Predator. So, you know, um, Xenomorphins mentioned that cover, you know, it doesn't give away the um, it doesn't give away the design of the creature, it doesn't give away the monster. But in some of the earlier teaser trailers, you did know that something was coming. Some of the teasers are what was the what was the line? Um nothing like a nothing like it has ever been seen on Earth before. Stuff like that. So there was hints back in the um you know, back in the marketing, that it wasn't going to be a straight-up, you know, action flick, like like it presents itself. I remember, I will just say, I remember there's another sort of alien predator link here. I remember I was, um, this is high school age, and I think my friend had like, uh, I think it was Die Hard or something like that. He had on videotape, and we just what I was around his, and we were watching that after school or something like that and um we he hadn't watched it in ages so i think he'd completely forgotten that there was a trailer for predator on it at the start and we and because this is you know this wasn't dvd you had like fast forward through the adverts and that but you know we we were just watching them just for nostalgia and we're oh it's predator and they were it was a trailer and they clearly hadn't got the alan sylvestri music for it and it was a trailer for the original Predator, and they were using the music for Aliens on it. And it's a, it's a very surreal. It does change it, for, like the the atmosphere. Even though it's the exact same visuals, the same dialogue, the same sound effects, but it's all done with the music of Aliens. It's a very weird thing. But before that, I had never seen any advert because that's another thing these days you will see advert but of course when i first saw predator at that time i hadn't seen any adverts for it nothing but when i did come to see the first ever advert for it in much later on it was with the music of aliens on it so uh, sometimes you do get that and it's um 
And again, that's weird because I think Die Hard itself, at the climax of it, is has an unused track from Aliens. Um, it's the um, hyperspace and escape track that wasn't actually used in Aliens, but it was a James Horner track that was done on that. So um, sometimes you'll have these little things. Wasn't Die Hard John McTiernan as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Movie. Yeah. Oh, fuck. This is all like one shared universe now. Die hard. <laughs> we, uh, me and Ridgetop were looking at um, some stuff on Wikipedia beforehand, just as a bit of a quick brush up. And one of the connections that we saw was that um, John McTiernan had worked on Roller, Rollerball? Rollerball. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the remake. remake. And one of the actors in it is uh, Oleg Tarkarov, who plays the Russian guy in Predators as well. Ah. So uh, a nice little connection there. But I guess... I guess my question is more aimed at you and um, at you and Mr. H for this one, because obviously me and me and Rich Top had some idea of the Predator beforehand. But that bait and switch style of the story, you know, without you guys having seen the trailers, without you guys having these preconceptions with the other with the other media, yeah, did the bait and switch work for you? You know, were you watching that like? this is an awesome action thing, and then shit, it switches and throws this fucking alien sci-fi. I hate calling it horror because I don't really think a predator is a horror, but um, well, it's, it's sci-fi horror. It's definitely got horror moments in it. It's a sci-fi horror. Did that work for you? That that switch around of the genres without knowing anything about it beforehand was was that effective as far as you're concerned? Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to to to, to say yeah. I mean, uh, I to me massively it, it it did. I mean, the way the way the film sets it up, you, you know, you talk about bait and switch and things like that. The way the film kind of sets itself up is. Um, I mean, uh, I, I, this is just the way that I, I kind of describe the film, but it's like it's the manliest film you could ever imagine, right? <laughs> you know, it's got guns, it's got Arnold Schwarzenegger. That that just in and unto itself is like the manliest film, you know, and it's massively action-packed. The, the dialogue, everything, great, awesome action film. And then the Predator shows up and you're like, oh, okay, this has just got 10 times better. It, it, for me, anyway, it, it massively landed up you know in, in my eyes um but yeah i mean i'll, I'll be curious to, to kind of see what you know what, what you think uh on that xenomorphine yeah you, you're right it's very um very masculine i mean you sometimes you watch it and you're thinking oh that poor girl she's gonna die of testosterone poisoning <laughs> um it's i wouldn't say i mean it gets the you know you you remember and you think back to it like it's bait and switchy but it's I mean, it's not when you actually watch it. It's not as bait and switchy as you think. I mean, it starts out. And the, I mean, the only thing I actually remember from the director commentary on the DVD was John McTiernan. And you're watching that st- bit at the start with the credit sequence where the the ship comes from the stars, and he has like no recollection of even filming that. And he's just like, "Oh wow, yeah, that works really well." Don't have any memory of it. But you have like that, and then it goes to you know you have the the, the thing with Dutch and dylan and they're you know they're riding their helicopters and then you go but then you do you have these moments where it's clearly it's from something else's perspective and you know it's not human and it's that thermal vision thing um and when it's not that you already have this thing early on when they're tracking through the jungle but it's relatively early on where you know you see the crashed helicopter um and then it goes to that part where billy he's like you know he's 
he used the machete on the local vegetation and he's drinking water, and then he just gets that scent of something and they're skinned bodies and then it enters the thing of you know he he's the tracker and he knows you know they were shooting all around but dutch is like you know something is fucked up here these are special forces guys what were they doing it but you already know these are guys that have been skinned and the this is one of those things that adds to the palpable tension of it you have hawkins or one of the others saying you know they skinned them. Why did they skin them? Because they, you get the sense these are very much like the, the Marines and aliens. These are professional. These feel like real soldiers who have seen some shit. And because you get that sense, you have these other characters. You know, you know they have seen stuff. They're used to this stuff. And they are getting a little freaked out. They're thinking this is beyond just psychological tactics. But you get that stuff. And, yeah, you have this intervene this moment where they see the hostage and actually that part where Dutch uses the binoculars and you see um, the, or who he thinks is the American diplomat and the guy, you know, shoots him in the head. That is actually really well done. That is quite serious. You know, he just drops those binoculars and he looks away and that is quite on the nose. Cause you just see this guy, he, you know, just, he's, he gets shot right in the head and you see the blood come out. It's, it's not, it doesn't feel like a special effect. This feels like, you know, an actual situation. You have that action scene, but then again, it's it, that ends. You have Billy, he gets spooked. And you, you have that, the, the music plays a huge part in this film. You have Alan Sylvester doing those kind of like tribal drums just underneath it that makes, as he's looking around, and then he decides to, you know, run off and join the others after all the carnage has happened. And then you have that thermal vision shot of it going down and then it picks up the scorpion and it it's replaying the stuff that you know mac and dylan have just said you know over here and all the rest of it so you have this stuff that's actually interlaced so it is like from a psychological point of view it is actually prepping you you're realizing it's something else you're realizing hey there's this thing it's not just like you know a fish islands or something alien three i'm looking at you and um it's something where you know it's a head up display it's done that little audio strip that came down on the side and you think this isn't just a creature this is something that's using technology and you're giving these little hints and hints and hints along until the part where you know you you're having billy getting a bit spooked and you're having the girl. I mean, later on, you have that beautiful part where nothing actually happens. But she says about like the, the translation, you know, we've been in the village and sometimes things take these men and sometimes they're much, much worse. And we call them the demon who makes trouble. That, that really gives you chills and nothing actually happens there. But way before that, you have, you know, Billy is he's definitely seen something. The girl is like, you know. She starts getting a little bit off later, but by that point where you first see this thing, you're thinking, okay, this is an actual, there's the creature here, it's coming in, you know it's not human, and yet you're thinking to yourself, okay, you're going to see it, what the hell does this look like, but then what do you see, you don't see anything, it's literally just this prismatic shimmer in the air, and like a part of you realise it because it's done in like partial slow motion, I think, at, at that point. And you'll realise as it looks at the, at the girl and it just, you know, you, you see from her perspective, it's just like this. You can tell it's a shape, but you don't have any idea of features. It's a, in that respect, it's, it's like playing on Lovecraftian themes, I suppose. 
and then they take that body away and then they ask the girl what did she do the the jungle took alive and took it came alive and took it and you realize as the viewer that's how she would interpret as a you know someone who's grown up in a village over there you know she's thinking you know it looks like the vegetation is moving but you're realizing wait this is this is a thing that's using technology and you you're going into it from that perspective because you're thinking what does this thing look like oh wait it's what does it look like and like in alien where they're using that that um technique to keep the mystery of the creature alive in here you don't need shadows it can be walking around in broad daylight and you just don't get a sense of anything other than it being humanoid and that is a really great hook because you've seen it but it's such it's like a mental cocktail you haven't fucking seen it at all but you've seen what it does what it's capable of that plays in beautifully into the whole show but don't tell thing so I think all, even though you have this bait and switchy thing about, you know, you, you remember it as though the spaceship and then there's all this action and then the predator comes in. It's not because like with Alien, the predator is always the beauty of the first film is that the predator is after that point. It's always like a character in its own right in a scene, even if it's not actually in yeah, the scene. Yeah even if the characters themselves are not yet aware of it, at that point you're seeing from its point of view and it's playing a character and it's, it's, it's hinted gone, hinted gone, hinted gone. And by the time the gorilla camp has already been fucked up and blown up and they're like, yeah, let's go back to America. They're, and they're all just talking about, oh yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's hot as bulls out here, man. And that is the only thing they think they've got to worry about we know that it's actually that we have already seen what it's capable of. Although you might have kind of like started to forget it by that point. We know it's responsible for skinning a special, a special forces team. So we already know this is not just a, a run of the mill, you know, alien monster kind of thing, especially for that age, the mid eighties. We know it's doing that show, but don't tell. You don't have to have someone, a scientist going, oh, yeah, we've discovered it. It comes from the planet, whatever, and it's breathing nitrogen. That stuff's immaterial because it, as the film goes on, it becomes like semi-mythological. So by the time it moves into the point where it is just the alien creature, we've already had it teased to us in just the right doses that we're kind of like starting to get hungry for yeah, it's, it's what not is so this much of a surprise. Thing? Where is it? And yeah, and when it gives you this is what it is, you think, ah, oh, I'm given the emotional reward. This is what it can do, but I still haven't seen it. I think it's technological, but what is it doing? You, you're suddenly your mind it goes off in all these directions. You know, if you're not aware of the predator and what it is. And of course, as the film goes along, it gives this mythological status to it where the girl talks about her stuff and Billy says, you know, we're all going to die here. You get the sense he's people, he's Native American people, they might have encountered it before. It's got that undertone to it. And of course, as Mr. H said, that scene later on where it comes out the water, that scene is 
although you were aware because it's had that the earlier scene with the medical stuff and all those medical tools they're beautifully i don't know if they were pre-existing stuff or they made them up even though you know by that point you have kind of seen the thing briefly for the alien creature that scene when it comes out of the water and you see it like it's electrically sparking and it's equipment is fucking up it's actually wearing equipment this isn't just a creature in a suit a man wearing a creature suit this is a creature wearing equipment and you see its gun and its gun is like a remote control and at that point you realize you're like dutch with the if it bleeds it can, we can kill it you realize yeah this is a flesh and blood thing and it's it's just that Arthur C. Clark, Clark quote about any sufficiently advanced technology will f- indistinguishable from magic, and you get that feeling. But Dutch, he's you know he's he doesn't realise he's invisible from it, um, but he is. You can tell he's observing like like a soldier. His instincts are coming into play. He's doing like a semi reconnaissance of what he is seeing. He's taking mental notes. But you, as the audience, you're taking mental note. At that point, you're going, yeah, this isn't a demon, but it will fuck you up like a demon. But you've all because of the music, you you still have those that you know the, the tribal primal stuff coming forward. But it's really not as bait and switchy as you feel. It's just that by the time you see the predator dispatch the first of the team. That's when you're no longer interested about, you know, guns and grenades and that. You are hungry to know what this is. And it's given you this is what the thing can do. But then it's snatched away. And so at that point, the mystery, it's played in just the right doses. Like you, you, don't, you don't read, but when you rewatch, you realize, yeah, you're seeing the vision. You're seeing the little things. And again, even when you're not seeing it, you're seeing like when the girl sees it's, it, this neon green blood. She doesn't actually tell anyone, but you as the audience see it. The carrot, the predator is playing as much of a character in these scenes, even when it's not physically there. And I think that's that's one of the beautiful ways this film has played out in terms of structure. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of the similar with Alien. There's just the omnipresent threat of the alien yeah. that's always there and, and with the characters, even when the creature itself isn't present. There's something that both Mr. H and Xenomorphin have kind of alluded to. You know, um, Mr. H, you know, said it was one of them, you know, a greatly manly movie. And Xenomorphin talked about it's not a demon, it's it's a creature utilising technology. I mean, it looks like even the, the st- one of the things everybody talks about, like the creature, but even like its mask and, the, as I said, the medical tool, the, the, the gauntlets, not necessarily, I mean, even the, the way the blades are designed, it looks like real equipment. It looks like somebody, you know, this is actually stuff an alien creature would wear because it's, it's not like at that time with like Star Wars and Star Trek, even like the computer design on it, it looks very, very different from the stuff we as audiences were like conditioned to assume as, oh, this is an alien. It's got a, you know, like a different symbol on it, but it's recognizable with a thing. You go, that looks like a, a blade or a gun or a computer or just like the netting it's wearing. And you can tell it's identifiable equipment but it looks like real equipment an alien species would design and put on itself well the thing i was getting to was 
the one of the themes that you know a lot of people tend to read up on of the point of the film was um you know how really it comes down to it not being about um being about technology not being about the fact that Arn no. is a fucking beefcake <laughs> and that yeah the predator has all this fucking fancy ass equipment it sort of defies what people might have a perception of the film you know manly manly men was something that i think was coined for the cast of fucking predator you know it's a manly man's film but that's not the that's not the point of the film at the end of it that's not how it feels you know it comes down to on his i say a combination of dutch's um ingenuity but also a fuck ton of luck he's thrown away his technology the predator throws away its um fucking advantages at the end you know throws away its helmet and on his you know what it's like i mentioned earlier you know the personality of the actors are playing a big part in it as well i sometimes struggle to differentiate as arnie and as dutch but you know he's there using as they say in the film you know boy scout tricks yeah like i said it being the look of of the predator being in that place at the time you know arnie's aim fuck's sake Aaron. dutch is aiming to get him into a different trap but in its own strategizing you know as luck would have it for for dutch he ends up under a, under another one so how do you guys feel about the thing, this idea, this theme that Predator's not about being muscly? It's not a film. It's not a manly men film in that it's showing that it's not these aspects that are going to win at the end. Do you see where I'm coming from here, Rich Top? Do you? Well, yeah, I think, you know, these are some of the toughest guys out there and, and they're all taken out until, um, and, and that's always kind of been the human advantage over the predator is, is the predator's overconfidence and the human's cleverness. Um, and you see that once Arnold sees the predator's weakness, okay, he can't see me because of my body temperature. Um, then he devises all those traps around that, uh, to confuse the predator. Like when he, he lights the fire, uh, in that little gully there and it, it messes with, with the heat vision even further. So, so yeah, I, I, that's one of the things I liked about the movie the most was was kind of how the sense of cunning came in with Arnold once he got a better understanding of what he was up against. What about you, Mr. H? Any thoughts on that sort of? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I would I, I would agree to a certain extent. Definitely, they although they are, I mean, you know, you, it, it's undeniable that it is, you know, a, a very action packed film with you know, manly men in it, but it doesn't come down to that. It, like you say, it does come down to luck. Um, you know, it, it could have been anyone, you know, I, I, th- I think I'm not, I'm not going to do this throughout this podcast, but I did do a video on it. <laughs> um, and, and I think I posed the question of, you know, was it, was it Dutch at the end purely by luck? You know, could he have been singled out earlier on? Cause you know, it's a chain of events, um, which realistically, could have happened to anyone at any point in time. Um, and then you get to the end of the film and, you know, as you say, it's, he wanted the predator to go in one trap. Um, and it just so happens that the predator wound up on the counterweight of another trap. So it's not even a trap. Um, I believe it's a counterweight to a, um, you know, to like a, uh, well, a trap basically, you know, and, and, and that's purely by blind luck. Like you say, you know, the, the heat signature blind luck, it, he wasn't going to know that you know, that, that was going to happen. He was expecting to die there. And then pretty much he's, you know, he's in the roots. 
you know, watching this thing come out and he's, you know, you can see the tension, the tensions there in the film. And then he, he realizes that he's, he's, he's not seen. And, you know, that is all by blind look. In terms of that, it's, it is very much a film where, again, like the alien, the predator is the great leveler because, I mean, they designed the creature around the possibility of this is something which can kill Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's how that whole thing, they deliberately designed it for that. You have one of the things that can sometimes get me about the fandom is that sometimes you have people who they just concentrate on the whole manly men thing and they say, oh, I don't want to see a woman in, as the star of the next Predator film. And we say to them, why not? And they say, well, it's always had Arnold Schwarzenegger or Danny Glover. or Even rah, then, rah, Danny rah. Glover's not exactly And you say a... to him, yeah, well, in <laughs> Predator 2, he, were, you know, he bulked up, but he comes across a bit tubby, unfortunately, rather than muscular. But, you Poor know, you, you have these people and you say to them, you... You're forgetting the whole point about the first film. The first film showed it didn't matter that he was Arnold Schwarzenegger. It could have been that the character who survived was Anna, the girl. The Predator didn't care because the Predator is literal walking brick shithouse. Arnold tries to punch it and it's just like, no. And, it's, you know, he has this thing where he, he uses a log of a tree and he just says, bad idea, because it doesn't matter how muscular you are as a human being. Something like the Predator or the Alien or another Arnold franchise, a Terminator, you are nothing physically to it. You have to be a character who, at the end of the film, strips away your what you have physically and figuratively to get in touch with your primal self, which is why you have that thing where he lights the fire and he literally goes, Aah! you know, he it's some, there's a beautiful YouTube video where somebody's got him singing off at that <laughs> point. But um, it, that is the point of that film. He has to get in touch with his, because he needs to think like the predator and to do that. He needs to get in contact with his own inner beast, his old, primal self because that's the message of the film and that is the only way you can beat the predators by thinking like them and anticipating what they're going to do next and hoping you can use the environment to beat them it wouldn't matter whether it's arnold or whether then the next one it's like like say i'd i'd like to see like michelle rodriguez i could totally see her as the star of a new predator film where she's the character at the end it wouldn't matter that it's a, a, a man or woman at the end of it, you are dead meat. And that is the, the that is the message about the but that is one one of the reasons the predator works so well because it gets in touch with what it means to be pro not what it means to be human, but it's kind of like a reverse play on that. What it means to find your primal self. Well, there's also the aspect of the whole worthy prey thing, which is is Yeah. Comes into um, greater effect into the sequels, but it's it's hinted at in the first film when he kicks the gun out of Anna's hands and he's like, you know, he didn't kill you because you were unar unarmed. Um, so uh, there was a funny YouTube video. It's like how it should have ended and it just shows them all drop their guns yeah. and the predators trying yeah. to coax them <laughs> to pick them back up. So it, it does make you wonder, like, I, I did get the impression that the predator was done hunting uh, when he lost track of Arnold. 
And it wasn't until Arnold challenged him because of, you know, the deaths of all his comrades that the predator came back. Um, so, so it's always been an interesting dimension to the character. The fact that the predator really only seeks out, um, prey that it, it would consider legitimate threat. Um, one of the books well, I was it's assigned... a challenge, not a threat. I think it. Yeah. I think it's something it ne- it needs a challenge because otherwise, right. Bored. And and one of the books I had read um, in middle school that I was assigned was was the most dangerous game, um, and that was essentially about uh, this guy who's stranded on this island and rescued by this, I think it's this like Russian aristocrat, and he quickly discovers that this guy uh, hunts and kills humans on this island, and you know he kind of tells him oh i'm gonna let you loose and then i'm gonna try and kill you um and it's a very kind of similar uh thing with the tension there and he eventually out outwits him so yeah there's a bit of a mythology that sort of built around this whole aspect of of the predator and it it turned into a more of an an honor-based thing i guess because of the uh, the books um as suppose to some extent the comics but i think i think it's really really the books that did it and it's it's something i've never really liked i've never liked this uh yautja culture and the space samurai kind of thing samurai yeah (laughs) i've always seen the predator as he is in the first one as you know he's he's literally is a big game hunter there's nothing fair there's Mm. nothing honorable about the way he hunts i don't think you know got a fucking invisibility cloak how is that how is that honorable how is that fair yeah that's the majority of the things he's just sitting out there camping and he's just looking at you and he's just waiting for you to make that like the in max death he's literally just standing above him and going haha you're surprised motherfucker and that's yeah i mean the most challenging thing it's not even billy i think he it's implied he just jumps down take him behind it's Dylan and Dylan is already blown off one of his arms. Mm. This thing, if a predator was a video game, you know, player, he'd get banned for cheating, kind of thing. It is not an, an I you get the sense when it's certainly the first two, I think predators as well, but certainly the first two films, you get this feeling that it's not necessarily a hard and fast rule, they like a challenge, but it's there for fun I mean, kills. Yeah, even with Arnold, when he's running, he the thing doesn't know that Arnold is necessarily armed. It just knows Arnold is running around and he can't see him, so it just goes fucking mental and spams the the gun. <laughs> it just shoots the whole jungle down. But it doesn't know necessarily Ar- Arnold. He's he's got even a knife to. He just knows this thing is taking the piss out of me, and I want its skull. Yeah. So for me, I agree. It, they they always work better too. Is these sadistic bloodthirsty galactic safari yeah exactly i mean that is an Mm. interesting concept as opposed to someone who's essentially got a blunderbuss and a monocle and going telly ho oh no i can't kill you go on you run away (laughs) i mean in the second film you get that thing where it lifts leona up by her throat she is struggling she's literally lifted up in the air and the only reason it doesn't eviscerate her is because it goes right you're pregnant you'll you'll shunt out the next one for the next time we come here and we can kill that instead it's not doing it out of the goodness of its heart it's just letting her live because it can and that to me is a more powerful statement than just someone you know 
these old Victorian type things there, you know, oh, well, your, your thing, I'll let you go. It's not that. It's, yeah, okay, I'll let no. you go. But I don't have to let you go, but I'm going to let you. I suppose I like... I like the idea that they do enjoy the challenge of the specific people. So, you know, he spammed he spammed the plasma caster, the shoulder cannon, when he couldn't figure out where Arnie was. But then after that point, you know, he strips down and is like, now nah, this is a fucking fight, you know, when they're squaring up against yeah. I like that kind of thing. I like them having, you know, some appreciation of a good... Uh, a good opponent, but well, I would, I would, there, I would never it's call still them. Got its wrist blades. Yeah, but I, I, I think the more the point is, I would never say, I would never <laughs> say they're honourable, honourable. Yeah. More they, just, no. they, they enjoy a good fucking challenge. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think the honour aspect is interesting to the series. Um, it can be overdone, and I think a lot of people would say that the Alien versus Predator series, both in the comics and novels, have overdone it a little bit. Um, but I mean, even in the AVP movie, you see the Scar Predator kill someone who's just helpless on the ground. I guess he figured he would freeze to death anyway there. But so I, I do think, yeah, it's it's a balance. You can't have them seem like they're bound by that rule. Uh, but at the same time, when those little instances do come up where it's like, oh, well, this prey is not worth my time, then then exactly, I do think that yeah. can be an interesting addition. What's your take on the uh, matter, Mr. H? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it, it was it was 100% different, obviously, in the original film versus what's kind of been spawned out of it. Um, you know, as you say, they've got plasma casters. Um, you know, they, they even carry a med kit, right? You know, and, and people, myself included, you know, you can justify the med kit in terms of the new mythology that's been built around it, you know, in terms of the fact that, you know, it clearly creates a, a vast amount of pain for the um, predator when he uh, uses it as a way of kind of offsetting the honor so to speak um of having to use it you know but i mean the, I, I i i like the aspect of them just i, I like both aspects you know I, I do like what's been spawned from it uh, but i do appreciate just they are big game hunters we are we're all fair game um, i mean they kind of went to doing you know they kind of went back to that in uh, predators anyway the third one because there's a lot that happened in there which you would go there's nothing honorable about that at all you know with the, with the dogs and things like that um you know it, it is what it is I, I like it and i dislike it but I, I i do like the um you know just the big game hunters uh, aspects of it and, and when they just go like like you know the end the end of all of the films they just strip down and they go, right, this is a challenge. This is worth my time. This is something where, you know, I'm, I don't want to use my technology, you know, for whatever reason, because, you know, this is going to be a bit of fun. That's what I see it as. You know, it's yeah. not, I, I don't see it as a case of, you know, like honor or things like that. I just think they go, right, well, you know, this is something that's, you know, actually going to be, you know, good fun for me. Everything else is just easy. This is going to be a good time. So I'm, I'm not going to bother using anything because, you know, I, I see this as good sport, you know, a good laugh. That, that's that's kind of my take on it, I guess. Okay. As I said, he does have his... There are points where in that fist fight, he does actually, you know, use those blades and he actually chops a bit of wood in half. Them. So he, it's not like... It's, it is essentially one opponent who's armed with two bloody great knives 
going against a human. So in that sense, I mean, it's not like the thing believes there's any reasonable chance Dutch is going to even hurt it. But it wants it. It's like a bloke down the pub going, "Oh, are you looking at my bird?" It is. <laughs> it's like one of those. It's just. It's just saying, right, fuck you. And it just takes off that. But it wants the press, it wants the bragging rights as opposed to saying, you know, Queensbury rules here. It it's it just wants to be able to boast about, yeah, I didn't use my gun. What of it? So, and have a good story at the end of it to go back and tell its predator buddies. Yeah. 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 It's I mean, that's what the Vikings did. That when you everyone loves like story about the Vikings, but the Vikings were basically a nation of pirates. They went out, they raided, they had a bloody good time and they came back home and they drank and they said, you know, I, I chopped this bloke off with an axe. And he said, oh, so what? I, I took his spine out with my hand. Oh, so what? I did this with my cook. And they just used to do that. And they, used, they used to have songs about that, basically what the Klingons are like in Star mm. Trek in the late years. But that is, you know, that is that it's not a warrior mentality as a i am a fucking hard nut mentality let me have you know the most girlfriends or whatever it's it, again it's primal klingons might have been a bad comparison though they get all on about yeah yeah they That's why are nobody likes yeah, galron in the later years not so much the... well they were space commies yeah. to start with i don't think the klingons are space commies <laughs> they were yeah, I mean, I don't think the, the predators are space comics, sorry. Funny you bring that up as far as their the structure of their society goes. I've always thought that the whole juxtaposition between these creatures that are very technologically advanced with otherworldly technology, but they're also tribal and nomadic and primal. Mm. And as far as other than them hunting, uh, we don't really know too much about their society. So that element of mystery and the whole you know, contrast between how advanced they are and yet how primal they are is something that I've found intriguing. Yeah. Now, something that I think I made pretty clear earlier um, through continuing saying Arnie rather than Dutch is just how <laughs> integral the actors are to this film's success, I think. Because you don't you don't always refer to them as the characters, you know, you refer to them as, as, as the actors. And I think the, the personalities of these people played such a huge part of what made the character so endearing so fun to watch and what made i guess a lot of the one-liners work i mean i don't think a new predator film could get away with the kind of um one-liner cheek and and work you know it works in predator i don't think it would work nowadays um, and I think I do think a lot of that has to do with the time it was made and to do with the people that were in the film. You know, how how important do you guys think that the actors are to making these characters work, to making the film work? Massively, massively. Like that, that film could have just died a huge death with the wrong people involved. You know, the, the lines, the lines come across cheesy, but believable because the people playing them uh, deliver them you know, it, it, in in such a way that you go, yeah, no, I can believe that. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think in the wrong hands with the wrong people saying the lines, I just don't think it would have worked like at all. Um, I mean, th there's wh whether this is 100% factual or not, but the the line where uh, Arnold throws the machete, um, you know, and says stick around, that's apparently an improvised line entirely. So we couldn't, we, we might not have even got lines like that in the film, um, which are 
great one-liners, hugely quotable, you know, and, and come across great. Even even by today's standards, you know, you, you, I don't think you could release that film today, but the rewatch value, you don't go, that's cheesy. Mm. You know, you don't go, oh, that looks crap compared to now. You go, this is a classic, that line, brilliant, absolutely great. So, yeah, I, th- I think the, the like you say, the actors are, are hugely integral to that film being a success um, and being as enjoyable as it was. About you, Rich, that- well, yeah, I mean, def- in total agreement with what Mr. H was saying there. I think that these guys, both their characters and the actors themselves had very larger than life personalities. And uh, it led to a lot of the fun in that movie. You know, as, as grim as Predator was sometimes, it had some really good moments of uh, friendship and camaraderie and humor uh, woven in there. And I think without that, the film would have been flat, really. Um, it's just all these combined elements that that really came together, and, and the actors and their their personalities were certainly a, a huge part of that. Do you, do you think that a film nowadays, a Predator sequel nowadays, would be able to pull off that kind of thing effectively, you know, that kind of levity and one-liner, or do you think that's something from the past that won't be repeated it's it's a timeless film it's the fact it can be rewatched so much i mean arnold gets it in the neck for some of his earlier performances i think and sometimes unfairly because they are the kind of characters he was you know he played well he he puts in some very good dramatic performances in say maggie he puts in a great performance in that that's great um he is i mean in this film i mean there are little things that all the all the characters all the actors do in this, like, for instance, I mentioned earlier with that whole, you know, the, I, th- I think it was Hawkins. I can't remember, but the, but the guy who first gets killed when he runs after yes, the girl, Hawkins and you have that scene where a guy, yeah. And the guy behind, you know, what's happened to his body and the guy behind him says, I can't tell. And the way Arnold, his, his expression just freezes. It is timed beautifully. A lot about the performances in this film, I noticed when I, I, I hadn't seen it in years, but I, I hadn't yet, I got the Blu-ray of it and I hadn't watched it yet. So I watched it that the other week. And it did strike me that a lot of why the performances worked as well as they did is a lot of the scenes, they, the actors have got such great timing to them. It, even that, that stuff like in the helicopter where you have Blaine... He can like spits tobacco at the uh, the other guy's boot, and just the way Dylan sort of you know he does that little back and forth with his fingers, and Blaine sort of grins like a fucking maniac, and Dylan just says you know that's a real nasty habit. You go, all of that, it's it's I mean it's it's trivial stuff, but I, if it had been done any other way, or the timing had been a little bit off, and that goes to the action scenes, of course it wouldn't have worked half as well it did it was just everyone just it was just the the timing of the it's not just the lines not just how they flip but the, the timing is just dead on um yeah i think i think some people would say well would a film with like this kind of like this many people like in at that time jesse ventura arnold Schwarzenegger, you know them getting together but i mean i think a franchise like The Expendables, which Arnold is in, that proves you can do a film very much like that. You look at Predator and then you look at The Expendables films. The action sequences and stuff, it's very, very similar. And those do carry an audience. And again, they have those kind of one-liners in them 
that is still very much an audience for it if it's done did, right. Did you enjoy yeah. The Expendables then? I did, yeah. I've, I've seen all three of them. I like them. But I just treat them just for the sit back and watch it just as a fun I couldn't film. get into I don't it. Treat it see, there you, see, there you go then. Like I think to answer like your your initial question if if that could be done you know like today you know and 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 like a like a future film and, and things like that i i don't i don't think it would because i think you you fall into the the trope of it just being like that or the film just trying to emulate the original hmm. oh so yeah that, you can't copy it no yeah but but in terms of would a film with you know the basic template could you use the template and you know put a new completely new spin on it but the successful elements which worked in the not necessarily a predator sequel but a film would those the formulaic elements still work yeah absolutely i think films like the the they're up to like Three films, three expendable. And when I first heard about them, I thought, uh, but then I watched them. I thought, no, it's just good fun. It's it's entertaining. There is an audience for it, no matter what it is, provided it's done right. And films like Predator, the first one, it's one of those films where you just go, that was so done right. There are films where you just go, yeah, that works. But Predator is one of those films where you, if you're asked for an example of a, like a side, like a, an action horror or whatever, you will tend to either go for Aliens or Predator, and you can't argue with the fact that they were executed beautifully. Yeah, I think you know, I I do often find myself saying when I see movies, man, they don't they don't make them like they used to. A movie that comes to mind for for me is Kong Skull Island. Like by all accounts, that had a kind of a similar premise to predator a bunch of military men going into the jungle and then this huge threat confronts them but the movie really disappointed me and it didn't click for me so i think you can have movies like predator that have a very small amount of character development but that small amount has to be done right for us to care about the characters like i think the Mm. The opening helicopter sequence was critical. It was probably one of the most important scenes in really the film in Predator. Yeah, yeah. Um, for us, well, it to, differentiates them too. Yeah, definitely. And I think the Predator films have all been successful with their their casting and characters. To be honest, I mean, um, yeah, a lot of people uh, don't like Predator Two or Predators, but uh, I like both of them, and I think their casts were also very strong personalities and and casts that really worked well together, especially predators which uh in a lot of ways was uh similar to the to the first in in the sense that you had all these very strong personalities together but different in the sense that they didn't have a history at all and that was a a very uh differing factor was these people did not know each other as opposed to the first film but but it's still very similar in the sense that it's a group of of hardened men and women, um, in in the case of predators, that that come together and have to face this otherworldly threat. And I think in all the predator films, it's really worked with with the characters uh, and their interactions that they've had with each other. Okay. So we've talked on and off about the um, you know about the predator itself. Obviously, it's a predator fucking podcast. But there's <laughs> a nice bit of I suppose behind the scenes story about the predator himself in the the iconic 
design that we ended up with wasn't what oh, what oh, we nearly didn't get it yeah. now <laughs> normally at this point i'd pass i'd pass <laughs> this on to omega morph but he's, he's unable to join us so uh apologies if if this bit's not quite as uh, awesome as it normally would be with uh with omega talking creature design but you guys must have all seen early suits from uh steve johnson and and boss boss films yeah <laughs> did you think it looked as ridiculous as the crew did. You know, do you think that... That's horrendous. So, as far as you're concerned, if we'd have ended up with Boss Films, uh, Boss Studios, um, what did they call it, Chicken and whatever, is the Van Damme alien, do you think it would have sucked, sucked balls? I think it would have... I think, as the film goes, you've got the the great character, uh, great characters, you know, it it the film itself could 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 have come across incredibly incredibly cheesy and not had that serious tone if the creature wasn't an actual threat um i think the creature is the glue to that film as much as the characters are as well but it kind of it it solidifies the tone in the direction that they wanted to take it um and not just be you know a a bit of a lark and you know a bit of a, a, a creature feature that's not that serious and and if you had that Van Damme alien, there's there's nothing threatening about that at all. Has anyone seen the footage of it of Van Damme running around in it? Yeah, that is special features. Hilarious. There's there is nothing scary about that at all, in, in my view, anyway. And the height difference that ma- that makes a massive, um, you know, massive impact on on how you view and it. On such a visual um, and sort of primal level. I mean, you associate height with you know threat don't you it's such a what's intimidating yeah. isn't it it's like dominance that kind of thing so yeah um what, what's what's interesting is that you know there's um multiple accounts of this but basically you know predator got shut down halfway through filming you know they ran out of money and they pull out this um suit that had been behind uh behind schedule and everybody's like oh shit this is the people are gonna laugh at this and you know and at that point the film got shut down and they went back and they put together the first, you know, the first half of the film with with all the footage that they got, you know, the the guerrilla warfare stuff and all the stuff in the uh, helicopter and that. Uh, which interest, interestingly, John McTiernan hated that stuff. You know, as far as he was concerned, he was making a horror film. He didn't want to make a war film. So when he saw all saw all the guerrilla stuff, he hated it. But obviously, it worked out in the end because what they put together convinced them to go back and try again and finish this film. McTiernan said was. Um, we had to go off and start shooting the movie. We were late turning out the Predator. We were all desperately anticipating it. Finally, the day arrived and they took the crowbars, pried it open and lifted it out of the box. And we all looked at each other and thought, oh, are we in trouble? <laughs> I, filmed the da- I filmed some shots of the damn thing and just sent it back to the studio. And I said to them, you really don't want to continue with this, do you? They looked at it and said, <laughs> No. Also, I mean, people might not all realise this as well. There wasn't just some, um, uh, you know, the the suit of the creature as we saw it. There wasn't just some problems with that. There was also some problems with what they did with the famous red red suit that they were using for the invisibility effects. Because what they originally, yeah, what they originally planned to do. They put a suit on a monkey because they wanted to have it swinging from the trees. And they thought the perfect thing to do is put it on a trained monkey. The monkey can sort of like run around. And they did that. 
And the reason it didn't turn out well was because every time they put the thing on the monkey, the monkey just ripped this suit off. <laughs> so they could, it was embarrassed. But we could have had... Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting... I'd like the uh, in Alien 3 when you see the, um, the, the suit dog. that they put on the Whippet. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting idea that it, it had... You know, you can understand how they came up with it on set, but... You think nobody thought to say, what if the monkey doesn't want to have a suit all over it? Yeah. So it wasn't just this um, straight. I, honestly, I think that because there are some scenes, there's one of um, Omega's site, his monster legacy site, where he's got one of um, this thing. It's, it's facing down Dylan and you're seeing the original suit. And looking at that, I think it might have worked if the certainly if the limbs were a bit thinner. The goofiest thing about it are those eyes, but I think it just wouldn't have meshed with the vibe they had. And I think if they'd have been forced to, they would have just instead of showing the creature, they'd have probably gone right. Let's just have it invisible, start to finish. Which in the case of Predator, at least they would have had that option. But in terms of how it would have looked on film, it does look goofy as fuck. It, it does. Yeah, I think some of the winging, they ended up just shooting a gymnast in, in L.A. and compositing it onto the footage yeah. later. They, they also had a um, yeah. sort of rig on Kevin Peter Hall in the finished film as well, sort of help him move. Am I, th- am, I, am I thinking that right, or was that when they were working on the boss? Yeah, one? no, they, they, they did a bungee rig on him as well, because some of the times he was running really fast, and he really couldn't see where he's, he was going uh, over rocks and, and logs and stuff. So yeah. I think they had a safety bungee rig on him as well. But but the shot where you see the predator like dropping down through the trees and he's cloaked, that was a gymnast in L.A. That, that was one of the reasons Jean-Claude Van Damme, because everybody thinks, oh, he just wanted to show his face. One of the reasons Jean-Claude Van Damme just quit was because I it was incredibly difficult to eat, not just see, but apparently really difficult to move around in. But also you said he was just he was just sweating to death in there. But just to wear the thing out there, especially in the jungle, it was so hot. He just yeah. he just couldn't carry on. So it wasn't just that Jean-Claude Van Damme, he just wanted a, his face. to There were other reasons for that, unfortunately. And, and... Limitations of the time. You know, there's there's quite a few different accounts of what happened between him, and one of them was that he kept passing out while in the suit, and he passed yeah. out one too many times so and got sacked. Apparently, this particular story, as it was put across. Oh, wow. Well, because Stan Winston uh, actually had experience doing this sort of thing, or at least more experience, they had a kind of an ice vest. I think that Kevin Peter Hall wore under the suit because it would get so hot in the suit. And so that would allow him to wear it about two hours at a time because it would cool his body temperature down. But yeah, I think without the creature design that we ultimately got, the film would not have had the the cult status that it does today. I think like, yeah, like H.R. Giger with Alien and that design, it was critical for a movie with an otherwise B movie premise becoming a, a movie that was really an A movie as far as the test of time was concerned. Uh, so I think Stan Winston and even, you know, James Cameron, by suggestion alone, their their designs were a really crucial component to this film having the success that it does. And could we talk about just how awesome Stan Winston and Kevin Peter Hall were to this film? I mean, that suit looks so, so lifelike, you know. Spot um, on, absolutely spot on. I mean, on. One, one of the issues that I had with, with AVP was how fake 
the creature uh, looked sometimes in it and it's as simple as a lack of you know moisture on the skin and yeah. it makes a huge difference in the predator you know when when it finally takes that mask off and this suit that's just fake material it looks so lifelike and and just the performance of kevin peter hall as well you know oh his yeah. performance was mind-blown to this day you look at that and predator 2 and he does that and of course you know ian white in requiem he'd done a lot more revising of kevin peter hall's performance but there are just those little touches in how he has it moved they're just they are just they are every bit as much of the predator as you know the mask and the suit are. He, his performance was amazing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say with, with regards to the, like AVP, you know, if you're going to change the creature design as much as they did, which they really, really did, um, in terms of bulking them up like bodybuilders, you know, at least get the basics right, which made the initial so realistic and believable. Um, you know, down to like the moisture, like you said. You know, you, you can't change the creature design, you know, as such a departure from the initial one and not at least keep true to some aspects of it because people's eyes are going to be initially drawn to what the differences are because they're going to be focused on it going, well, that's completely different. I'm, I'm now a little bit fixated on it. Um, and and they, they really didn't get that right, you know, with AVP. But what they got so right with the Predator was just the realism behind it. You know, the, the nuanced performance um, was so lifelike and so realistic. Yeah, I mean, what what he brought to play in that role was second to none. I mean, it, ha- it hasn't. It's been replicated. It hasn't been. It, it hasn't been um, a, a true performance since then. Um, not a, not at all. I don't think so. Anyway, it, it, they got close. Uh, Ian White got close in uh, Requiem, but it wasn't quite there. It's, it's the little things as well, isn't it? You know, the, the the gain or the way he moves his hands while he's doing stuff, or just the little head. You know the head movements, like you were saying yeah. earlier, when uh, that you know the waterfall reveal, it it's puts so much character, so much personality into 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 the predator, and it it just works great for it. Well, that goes back to um, you know Harryhausen, his old stop motion creatures. He, one of his tricks was he said he always used to find a way, even if the script didn't do it, he his aim when designing a creature and he did so many creatures, you know, people remember Crash of the Titans and Sinbad. He always made a point of somehow trying to communicate a personality in the creature. And he said about his things, people might not realize it, but he said, that's what something about it that makes them more memorable for that reason. I think with the predator and and the alien, and even in Aliens, the Queen, which obviously it wasn't a single person in a suit, that was like a team of people. But these creatures are so often memorable because they come across with a personality. And you definitely got that in this one and Predator 2. You very much got a sense of personality about the creature. It wasn't just a thing that killed people. It wasn't just, you know, a Freddy Krueger... To be fair, Freddy Krueger has personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know what I mean. It wasn't just a generic yeah. 80s slasher thing that just turned up to kill. It was a thing that he, you didn't find out anything about. In like in Pinhead, in the Hellraiser, first Hellraiser film, he, he just shows up for a few, very little screen time, Pinhead does, but after Hellraiser, everybody wants okay. to know about the yeah. Cenobites. And yet, 
and a lot of that was in the performances and Doug Bradley especially and you get the same thing with the predator there's nothing there's no exposition whatsoever it comes from space it kills people it can laugh that's all we know hmm. about it but you just get this sense of something with intelligence and it's not just intelligence as to how to kill people it's gotten an intelligence every bit as much as we have it's just got a different mentality and that is one of the things that people forget it's not just what it looks like it was in it was in the entire portrait and of course actors like Arnold Schwarzenegger how they reacted to it as well but you definitely one of the reasons it's so iconic is because you get that sense of a personality behind a character beyond just a face sculpt we've talked a lot of stuff that we love in the film. I just want to take a little moment to nitpick here because <laughs> okay. we're at the point where we're, you know, the the predators scrapping with Arnie and you know we're having the big fight. Can I just say Fisticuffs. how much I hate the sound effect of the, of the punches? <laughs> yeah, you were gonna say that, and yeah. and even the punches of the predator himself, he kind of takes his time, like winding it up, and like. I mean, the fight, I thought the fight was really well done, but there were a couple of moments. If, if there was anything I could nitpick this film about, which there's very few things, it was, you're right, that, that fight did have a couple moments that were a little campy. Well, it, it was more like it was from a, uh, you know, a, a stock library of stuff on Adobe Premiere Pro or whatever it is we used to fucking edit. Um, uh, they used to edit the movies. You know, it's, it was just one there that just sounded so so canned and bleh. Yeah. What what about uh, you, uh, Mr. H or Xenomorphin? Was there any moments in the film that did make you kind of like... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the punches, definitely for me. Um, I, I will kind of echo your sentiments there, but I'll also kind of counter that and just say, I think a lot of the films around that era suffered from that as well. So I'm not sure whether that's now us looking back on it and realising that, yeah, it's definitely not up to par, you know, or genuinely it was actually bad, um, even for its time. But yeah, I mean, it, it, they were bad, like without a shadow of a doubt. And the, I mean, the ending, that that kind of always, it always irked me a little bit in terms of, you know, he, he can run and just hide behind a log, spoiler alert, for the end of the prototype. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I just go, well, A, what? That A? Because then obviously they, they develop that further in Predator 2. You know, and you just go, uh, well, that's a bit, mm-hmm. don't know that really. Mm, not sure. Um I guess I mean that that's my only nitpicks really, um, and and that's that's actually being pedantic and hey. trying to find something that ir- irks you. But you seen them often. Yeah, I think. Well, I think I mean I always justified the log thing. It does come across a bit, uh, but it's played so well that you you don't mind the music as it's rising. You you don't mind it. I I, I always like excuse it in my head as thinking, well, it's not a nuclear bomb. Well, it's got a mushroom cloud, but I mean, the way it's you, you see, like, you know, electrical sparking and then there's this weird, like, orb thing that impl- it's not a literal nuclear bomb. So, like, I can excuse that it's something else they've they use. It's got a big explosion. We don't know what it is, but it's not literal. It's like the um, the people say it's a plasma cannon, but it doesn't actually work like plasma would. So it's it's an energy weapon, but we don't know how it works. So yeah, it can, in some cases, it will literally go through Jesse Ventura and in other cases, it just like gets a little bit of bark off a tree. I mean, we don't know how it works. So I can just excuse those moments. They're a little like 
stick around little one-liners like that or big mistake but they're few and far between you don't so like, like stick around i sometimes go no 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 this is what i'm saying i was like as a serious movie i go eh, but you know it's played so well i just go in it for the ride so i i don't care but like there are little moments like that where you think a real person wouldn't say that if they're doing it pure serious but um but it, it's played so well that you don't care. So I can't honestly really think of... Oh no, I will say one thing I think they should have explained more. I'm not like get rid of, but if I had to point to something I, I wish they'd have changed, I think that whole thing about the guerrilla camp and Russians giving them something to be over the border... That looked like it was going to kick off World War Three or something. You never actually found out what the hell that was about. So it's something about the Soviet Union giving guerrillas stuff, and they've got like hundreds of technical schematics. And you go, wait, what? What's going on here? Yeah. You never find out what actually was going on there. So I would have liked that to be explained a little. But as I said, it's like all the rather stuff. You just go along for the ride. It's. Uh, it's it's like aliens. It's a roller coaster. Once the action kicks in, and you just don't care. I uh, agree with you there. I think it was a little confusing at the beginning, both Dylan's story about the whole thing, and then what was ultimately going on. Uh, I mean, yeah. I I could follow it, but I think it could have been uh, explained a little bit it's better. It's like the it's like the whole military structure of the team. You don't quite know no. what's cracking <laughs> up. I mean, they seem like seem like they could be mercenaries, but then. Dutch is a major got and, a rank. Yeah, and Mike's a sergeant. Yeah. They're a rescue team. That apparently get to some pick missions as well. Yeah, it was that kind of A-team, airwolf kind of, these are military dudes, deal with it sort of thing. And yet you have Dutch saying, my team don't do this. But you watch it and you're thinking, wait, if you're military, you're, you're given orders. You, you, you follow them or whatever. You don't get to pick and choose. But again, it works for what it is. It's just that it's it's never quite clear on what the hell it is. But because it's just a plot device to get them into the jungle, and they the again it comes through in their performances. They play it so well, especially Billy and the girl. I mean, the girl went when there's that. It's such a yeah. She it's such a crucial moment where she's just reiterating this moment about like the story of her village. And what happened there. And it's just one of those things. It's like the line in The Terminator when you have Carl Reese and he says, you know, he says, these things can't be reasoned with, blah, blah, blah. It, and it's like Ash's bit of dialogue about, you know, it's thing is matched over me by its structural perfection. It's what it's that moment. And that, even though there's no action, that helps to sell the creature and the situation because it's like when we said about like the military characters, you get a sense of history with them. That helps to give a sense of history to the character of the predator yeah. and our world. You get a sense of history. You get something. Something more has happened here than it's just something. This this isn't its first rodeo. This is something that has happened many times before. And that is one of the things you know, like at the end of the film you think. This was just one time in history of many. And that's why many of us think we'd love to see more comics or films that are set back in time because there are so many stories I you could tell. I would fucking love So that. many. I 
I really enjoy the fan film um, Dark Ages. Great film. I would love them to do something like that on the act- on the, the big screen, you know. I think it'd probably be a bit of a risk, but I would love to see them take it. The only thing is it works well for setting it back in history because predators by their nature don't want to fuck with human civilization. They, it would just be a self-contained thing. But with each new Predator film, there's a danger of it getting a little formulaic yeah, because yeah. there are only yeah. so many ways you can end it. And 99% of those will be a self-destruct. That's the only problem with um, Predator stories, unfortunately. It might be worth checking the new Predator anthology when it comes out. Um, that has a load of stories set on loads of different timelines, um, times, time periods. Are you talking about the yeah, book the, um, that's coming out with all the short stories? And um, obviously not all of those end the same way, you know. Uh, can't all end with the Predator dying, because it'd be boring. It would be formulaic, like you say. So I think that's one that um, people who were interested in that kind of thing, you know, that, that kind of flexibility of the Predator story will probably enjoy. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really good place to explore more of the Predator mythos is in the expanded universe. Um an argument could be made that you don't want to go too far with the core films because then you ruin some of the mystery. But I think with the expanded universe, yeah, there's a, and, and that's the fun too. The predator is such a mysterious character that in your, in your mind and, and in the books and the art and the comics, you can go all sorts of places with, with this character in this, this world. Now, somebody mentioned um, Anna and Billy earlier, and I, you know how I like to do those fun, well, in the script things. Their um, their roles were reversed in the first script, kind of. Well, their fates, I suppose. So Anna gets killed when the predator attacks, and in the in the film, Arnie kicks well, kicks the gun away from her or whatever. In the script, she picked up the pistol and got fucking smooshed by the predator billy gets sent sent off to um find the chopper and comes back with the um with the general oh we we, we never would have we never would have got there but how, how did billy die did he did he you know honorable fight etc et stabbed in the oh, back no can you imagine <laughs> well i don't think he's called billy in the script either he has some other funky it's a proper star beast and um standard and boozard situation where they've all got funky ass names in uh, in the original so i think the last mega point to talk about would be alan silvestri's score for the film massive massive theme you know proper decent endearing themes that lasted pretty much throughout the series um throughout all the films and i don't normally like films overtly referencing each other but when it comes to like theme um, uh, music and specific scores that are for a specific sort of series that's one of the things that i don't mind and alan silvestri's predator theme is just fucking i think it's the bee's knees and the entire the entire score throughout works really well you know the the tribal um, drums that backing up this um, design philosophy that um, Stan Winston also went with, you know, they really complement each other. And even the action stuff, you know, you, you have oh, what was it called? Well, not it's not necessarily an action piece. I guess more of a standard military kind of piece. You know, the mercenary for the um, no fanfare for the common mercenary was what they called it in the film. But it was what's the real one? Fanfare for the common soldier common man something like man, that man. yeah that works really well throughout as well you know did you guys did you guys get on with the, the um with the score did you think it worked well for the film i think it was great oh the school yeah 
The score is one of the all-time classic soundtracks. It was, I mean, I personally am not a big fan of Predator. I think it's got beautiful set pieces when the creature's involved, but everything else I thought is a bit generic about Predator 2. But Alan Silvestri, I was surprised by in Predator 2, that is one of the few things about it I think was he outdid his original score, which is I thought was it like with um, Bradford Fidel and his Terminator 2 score compared to Terminator. Again, another absolute timeless soundtrack, but he managed to improve upon it. And yet, like with Terminator, it's one of those scores I often, when I write fictional stuff, I often, Predator is one of those go-to tracks if I need something with that kind of atmosphere because it it captures that atmosphere perfectly. It's like with um, films like Star Wars, Back to the Future, you try them with a different piece of music, they don't work half as well because the music is a character in and of itself. And Predator, it is one of those all-time classics. It is, it is I it's one of those things about Predator, which you think if you could change anything, the music would absolutely not be it. <laughs> yeah, I think the score was really well done. It was very atmospheric. And uh, you had the the main theme that's really associated with the franchise now. I mean, it was used in, in all three mm-hmm. films. And um, the other stuff, especially with the slower paced parts of the film are just atmospheric, but they still, the presence is quite there. So I was, I was really happy with, with that score and with the score of Predators. I thought it was a great adaptation of the original one. There was a lot of repeating themes and, and motifs from that. Uh, so I think, yeah, that score really had staying, staying power. And I'm glad that they're finally releasing it on vinyl. Mm. Because uh, I'm a bit of a hipster now, and I've started collecting vinyl, so uh, that should be nice to listen to on that for sure. Anything, Mr. H? I think the the atmosphere that they managed to create with that score is yeah top of the notch. It, it's one which is acceptably transferable and enjoyable when put in uh, to you, you know when, when it's then carried forward um, in, into the other movies. Because I can't remember off the top of my head if we get any. Any inclination of that in Predator 2, but I know uh, it makes a recurrence in uh, Predators. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, uh, great. Really, really, really good. Well, I think we've about covered all bases. Has anybody else got anything they want to bring up that we, we haven't had the chance to so far? Well, there's there's one thing I did want to mention, and that is the 3D release on I Blu-ray. I forgot about that. Um, I, I watched it in 3D. 3D TVs are not as common as they were a few years ago. Um, a lot of the newer TVs don't have the technology built in, and I guess it just never really caught on for, for home use. Um, and it started to, it's been starting to decline at the theaters as well. I'm not sure if uh, the Avatar sequels will bring that back, like the original movie kind of spurred it along. But um, I did watch the 3D release on Blu-ray at home, and I thought the transfer for something that wasn't filmed in 3D was actually excellent. That, along with the Jurassic Park 3D re-release, I think are the best 3D films I've seen that weren't shot in 3D, as far as the transfers concerned. Did you catch Titanic? Uh, I did, yeah. I actually saw that in theaters. I don't know how the home release was for that. Um, I, th- I thought that was pretty well done in theaters as well, yeah. Well, Cameron's talking about um, potentially doing Aliens in 3D as well. Oh, that would be so perfect. He's yeah. talked about that for a few <laughs> years. He, he yeah. brought it up recently in the... Um, 
It was dependent on Terminator. Yeah, didn't num- you? number two, the three D release of that, which is later this month, I think. Some point, I, I think I've got tickets booked for it. Actually, yeah, it is later this month. Yeah. Something that Xenomorphin and I were talking about in the past was the Blu-ray transfer of of Predator as well, because it it got quite a bit of stick. Digital noise reduction. I yeah. thought there was only a couple of scenes in that. What was it the Ultimate Hunter edition, something like that? Yeah. I thought there was only a couple of scenes where it was noticeably bad, and that was early on when um, there's close-up on Dutch's face. The part you really notice is that thing when Dutch is is falling down the waterfall because it goes from this beautifully, really crisp... I mean, even at the start when the helicopter's just skimming over the jungle, they're they're way more detailed. But it's that part when he just falls off the um, waterfall and it goes to this insanely low-resolution... Really low, really low resolution piece of film, and then back to completely remastered footage. It that's the only part I'd say it's noticeable. What people had an issue with was, um, was like Richard Top said, the, the digital noise reduction, where you end up with plasticine looking skin on people's faces. There was a slight extra shine i wouldn't say it looked mm. plastic. I honestly, when I saw it, I thought, I thought myself. I've got a feeling this is because of the lighting they might have been using in the studio, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. Myself. Well, I only thought there was a couple of instances of it. Ridgetop might know better than than me, but that is pretty much due to the DNR, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the worst offending scene really is the opening briefing where Dutch is reunited with Dylan, and Carl Weathers' face just looks like plastic in that scene. <laughs> Really, other than that, I didn't have much of a problem with the digital noise reduction. Some people say the grain is, you know, part of the charm of the film or whatever. But I, I think that it was a good remaster. I think that scene, um, yeah, it did, his face did look a little strange in that opening briefing. But other than that, I think the Blu-ray transfer was was really well done. And, and the film still really shines to this How day. How was it in the 3D Um version was did it still have that same sort of issues well yeah i mean it still has the the digital noise reduction but the the depth in 3d was i just thought was really effective as far as the home release goes i don't think it was ever released in 3d in theaters again it was just a home release thing would you recommend it oh yeah for sure if you have a a 3d tv and you watch movies in 3d then it's it's one of the better ones okay any final thoughts for yourself well, I think it's worth pointing out the censorship issues that happened with the DVD releases. I didn't even know happened, about that. Oh, yeah, well, it's, um, there's, um, what is it, BPJS, I think they are. They're this collection of um, like German psychologists, education mm. teachers and that. They're created to, quote, in order to protect German youth from unsuitable material. Germany's <laughs> always had that censorship issue, though, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, but but what was interesting was they shortened... Was every violent scene in Predator, they were shortened. Um, skip bodies, Predators cleaning a billion, all the rest of it. But what was ironic was that when Predator was released in Germany recently on DVD, they received fully uncut version. But there were like other regions that received the one that was intended for Germany, as I understood it. So there were some some editions of the um, DVD where there were scenes that were cut for the German market, but 
the Germans, like they ended up getting the uncensored version. So it was it was a real kind of there's a very weird convoluted history with the censorship of the film. But Zinemorphin, when when was this? This was in the magazine DVD Monthly, June two thousand two. They've got that in the article about Predator, and they um, mention all that. Uh, I, I never heard of that one before. Yeah, I think didn't didn't they also ban AVP twenty ten in Germany? I've got a feeling they might have AVP twenty. Oh, the game. You mean yeah. the game? Um, no, that was Australia. That was Australia. But I guess they resubmitted it and they were approved for it. Because Australia didn't have like an M rating for games until just recently. Fair enough. I, I remember there being some controversy around that. What about yourself, Miss Stage? Any, any final thoughts that you know we haven't had a chance to talk about or anything? I don't know, to be honest. I mean, just overall, the, the ingenuity that they had on, you know, on, on that project um i mean the blood itself i don't think we spoke about the blood but they had to constantly make that on set it was with ky jelly and um the inside of glow sticks i believe couldn't get the right color as well for the uh it was supposed to be orange yeah they had to consistently make batches up because it would just it would just lose its it would just lose its color uh, after a set amount of time um you know and just you know doing things like that which you don't get on you know sets of today it's when you know filmmakers and crews have to go through you know they kind of deal with these things and it's that ingenuity that's uh, i think what you know creates a very special film you know like with predator so well, there's that quote isn't there about um arts the re- the result of st- true arts the result of struggling or something something along those lines mm. you know and I, I do think there's a reason that so many of these older films are what we find more endearing and we want to rewatch more than than i guess the current films but i think because for you to go through those kind of trials in making a film you have to have a vast amount of passion for the project so i think that's why because otherwise you wouldn't see the project because the person making it who didn't have passion they would have just gave up you know it's like um you know the lord of the rings trilogy those people had like trench foot for goodness sake because they were you know walking around in the water yeah. and stuff you know and you know you don't get that with the um, the hobbit prequels because half of it's all cgi they didn't have to endure any of that stuff you know it's a completely different feel because of of what they went through um you know and everyone on set making that film again like the predator believed in the project so yeah i, I think that that quote kind of rings true to be honest well that goes back to yeah, and the heat vision because the kind of cameras they could only take it it was such a massive camera that they could only get it like four feet away from the van and it was so correct they just weren't getting the shots they wanted so um mctin and he went to I'll, I'll quote him here it was a nightmare and it cost a fortune so finally i went off to a video special effects house they did commercials and things and i sat down for about three hours we had to do this in secret behind the backs of the board of executives and producers so even that iconic heat vision thing if they hadn't have been as innovative and that you know he just said right so this for a game of soldiers and he went on some people he knew that in itself is a prime example of something that could have looked completely different yeah and i have to wonder if they got that idea from terminator because that also had the the whole vision with the hud of the thing coming after them. I wish we'd got more sort of behind the scenes and interview stuff with um with uh, Jim and Jim and John Thomas who wrote the thing because that that was in that was in the original script. He, yeah. They specifically talked about the sort of the heat vision stuff. There's evolutions over the course of the script that I'd love to you know know more about. Um, like originally the film was conceived as a group of different aliens that were coming to Earth to hunt. 
and obviously due to the budgetary stuff they realized pretty early on before they actually put pen to paper that yeah. it worked better as one but you can't you kind of get that anyway with predator 2 with the whole tribal thing same as um there was a scene that never got filmed in for the first one where dutch ends up at the predator ship and he sees like mm. the flayed skin of his team and uh, trophies inside it you know we get that in predator 2 instead but you know i'd love to hear more from them and hear about the evolution of, of the writing and the film hasn't got as much love i think as as the alien series has in terms of coverage and you know home release treatment and stuff like that and i think that's a real shame i would love to see a more in-depth sort of documentary and more more detailed commentaries and stuff like that rather than the basic stuff that we, we always keep hearing yeah well luckily i think that got better uh, predator 2 has a lot of supplemental materials in the blu-ray release predators had a good amount um, but yeah i agree i think that it would be nice to know more about the, the making of these films isn't there meant to be a book that's coming out with a lot of Predator 2 concept stuff that hasn't been seen before? Like, kind of, there's one that's meant to be like an aquatic predator and stuff. Sandy Colora? Colara? Hang on. The, um, his, I honestly don't know who I, did I know it. who you're on about. Just give me two seconds because I've got him on Facebook. But I can't. Because that, that was a while back when that news hit okay. and we haven't heard anything right, yeah. more about The it. fellow's name Sandy um, Colora and he's, he's, um, he's a special effects guy as well. He's done his own films and he worked on Predator 2 and he, it was him mm. who was going to do the... Um, the Lost Art of Predator 2, I think the book was called. He did um, a bunch of like... That might have been it, yeah. He did a bunch of um, kickstarted campaigns with various like movie makers and uh, creature effects people. Because um, he, he, he's done a first... Yeah. He did the first one and I... Because he, he said there was a lot of stuff we haven't mm. seen. Uh, he's, there's another volume coming out where it was going to be about the... Um, the boss studios predator as well uh, it was going to be more about that because apparently there's yeah. a whole whole load of story behind that as well like um they the technical difficulties they face while making it and working with the studio and stuff like that that's that's apparently a whole of the drama that i would love to learn more about mm. rather than just the basic stories that we we currently have one day though um i yeah. think that that got put back for whatever reason i can't remember why i don't know if it's still on the cards but i know Hopefully, hopefully that'll serve I hope it. it is, yeah. Because you do get the read... sense that there is a lot of stuff we just don't know. Did you ever read the novelization? Oh, yes, Aaron? yes, I did. Um, <laughs> that's batshit. That is absolutely batshit. So it's... The the predator in that is... Um, it's a shapeshifter. So it, it morphs into birds and monkey-type things. And oh, yes. Has some sort of, like... It's telepathic and... Billy has some sort of um, spiritual telepathy that lets him talk to his ancestors. The book's dodgy as fuck okay. as well in that it's sort of <laughs> proper racist sort of um, stuff in it. The point where I was like, while I was reading it. What? Just some of the way it talks. What about well, Billy? It talks yeah. about some of the characters as well, because, oh. you know, you've got Mac and uh, Dylan and stuff, and just sort of the way that it refers to them. I mean, it might be over-exaggerated in my mind. I've only read it the once, but I do remember it being dodgy as fuck. But that that is mm. that is one of those... Anybody who's heard me talk about like Alan Dean Foster's books will know that I always recommend reading these novelizations just because of the differences, just to see how things could have been or ideas that were being explored. And 
Predator, as yeah. dodgy as I think it is at times, I do. It's one of those other ones where I recommend giving it a go just to get this weird other interpretation or the possibility of how the Predator would have been because it's so completely different. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing none of you guys have read it, Mr. H? No. No, that's something I'm not actually familiar with at all, but it, I mean, it sounds kind of like a comedy, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> baffling. Anything else from anybody, or are we chatted out? Um, <laughs> uh, the only thing I can think of is about the, um, the memories of the Predator comics when they first hit, because they were pretty much, you know, they, it came out in the Aliens comic, but then they started bringing out, you know, Predator stuff. I think that probably, aside from probably the soundtrack, I guess, that probably counts as the first bit of um, merchandise out there there that was uh, predator related when they did those first i think the first comic that we, it was like dutch's brother wasn't it, it yeah was in the new york concrete jungle yeah. yeah yeah predator yeah. 2 was kind of based on that comic a little bit yeah, yeah. i guess it was but they they talked about being influenced by it but again it's one of those things where you, there's not enough details for the backstory of the background of yeah. it but yeah you're totally right i mean it was um detective schaefer I think it was just called Predator when yeah. it came out, but then they re-released it as Concrete Jungle, and they did three Cold War, Cold War and then Dark Dark River. I think was the third one with him in because he was hunting for what happened to yeah, his brother, yeah. wasn't he? And he, I don't remember if he ever found out. But... Yeah, and they they just released a, a big hardcover of the original Predator comics. I, I haven't gone through it yet, so I'm curious to see if they have any additional um, behind the scenes in there. Mm-hmm. I've been I've really been liking these hardcovers that Dark Horse have been putting out lately. I'm I'm hoping that we'll get one of the original AVPs. Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I I wouldn't. I'd like it if they updated it. It's something I've been saying since um, the special edition of 2010 when they released like volume uh, issue zero and blood time a short i can't remember i can't remember its name it, it was another one of the avp shorts and they re-released it with um with avp 2010 as like a little hardback digest type yeah. thing and and the recolor yeah. was amazing i would love them to do a recolor of the original series like that who was it was it where's diablo or something like that it's fucking gorgeous absolutely gorgeous i would love one of those so I think this has probably been another one of the longer ones. Still feels like there is probably stuff that we've missed and could have gone over, but I think we feel a bit talked out at the minute. I certainly do. Thank you, everybody, to listening. As, as always, you know, um, like I said earlier, I'm sorry that it's been so alien-focused at the minute for those of you who lean more on the Predator side, but hopefully that'll that'll change next year and uh, this will keep you safe satiated we should have an interview with brian thomas schmidt um in the next couple of months as well he's the editor of the predator anthology book that i mentioned earlier uh, if it bleeds so that's another predator themed thing oh nice and we've still got a couple more interviews for covenant planned got one of the actors and um concept artists and i keep trying to nail down some of the writers but they they don't like talking hmm can imagine why <laughs> I would love to learn more about those, so I do keep trying. Um, and I think I think that's everything then. So you know, as as always, please uh, leave us any feedback. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. Um, I appreciate all the uh, all the emails and messages that we've had recently. 
it's always good to hear from you guys. Um, so make sure you, you make sure you're checking out the the homepage avpgalaxy.net uh, on Facebook as well, Alien vs Predator Galaxy on Twitter as uh, at avpgalaxy and Instagram if you don't care about the links and stuff, they're just pretty pictures. So yeah, that's everything from me, Mr. H. Do you want to do the obligatory plug for um, for YouTube channel? And you, and you, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess uh, Twitter as well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, for, first off, obviously, thank thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Been an absolute blast um, talking predator with you know, like-minded people. Um, if you enjoyed some of my rambling nonsense, uh, listeners, then you can check out my channel. Uh, it's just Mr. H Reviews. You can find a playlist for alien um, content as well as predator content, and you know a wide range of other stuff that I'm just interested in. Um, and I am on Twitter if you want to kind of interact with me on a personal level i'm very active on there in fact um, i try to be anyway um, and i'll always read comments and, and re- you know reply when i can so yeah well, that's at mr h reviews yeah just <laughs> should, should probably say yeah, that's, that's always yeah. helpful <laughs> just let, let people search for it so uh, this is corporal hicks ian ridgetop xenomorphine mr h signing off Thank you.